As a trigger warning, the following interview contains references to a family's struggles with mental health issues and to death by suicide. Every year, TCOM selects an individual whose work exemplifies the ever-evolving mission to create and improve helping systems. And that person is honored with the TCOM Champions Award, presented during TCOM's annual conference. I'm Timothy Fall, creative producer for the University of Kentucky's Center for Innovation in Population Health, the IF Center. Along with IF Center director and TCOM's original developer, Dr. John Lyons, and producer Lauren Mergen, I'm making the conversational rounds of past winners of the TCOM Champions Award, learning how the TCOM tools have transformed the way these champions help others. You're listening to Tales from the Collaborative. Janet Heckey lives just outside Boise, Idaho, where she founded a business doing medical billing for pediatric physical, speech, and occupational therapists back in 1999. At the time, she was personally navigating the Byzantine labyrinth of insurance company claims management and billing practices after her own daughter Katie was diagnosed with Angelman syndrome, about which Janet will speak during this interview. Janet won the TCOM Champions Award in 2018. I asked about the spark that led her to look for ways to help other families who, like hers, were being denied services for their children when they needed help. I found the therapists were really fantastic at treating my child, but didn't know that much about the billing aspects. So I learned about the billing aspects so I could give them more time to treat the patients. And um, I had some run-ins with the insurance company not wanting to pay for my daughter's speech therapy. And that convinced me in, in a hurry that families of children with special needs don't really have the time, energy, or inclination to read their insurance policies and fight the insurance companies on all of the times that they deny claims. So I started a company doing that back in 1999. And uh, I'm a parent of three children. My oldest son passed away 12 years ago due to suicide. And my middle son is successfully gainfully employed. And my youngest, again, has Angelman syndrome. So she lives near us and has full-time round-the-clock care. She's 25 now. So that was uh, losing my son was really the impetus for me getting started in the mental health arena. And Jennifer Griffiths actually started, she helped start a group here for parents of children who had mental health concerns and working with the state in a system redesign. It's called the yes, the yes services here, which is the youth empowerment services is the state children's mental health program. So she started that and brought a whole bunch of parents together ages ago. And I was one of those parents. And at the time, I really didn't understand why I was included in that group. My son had passed away. I I'm not sure I was really convinced he had a mental health issue. I was still really processing the loss. And even though he'd been suicidal since he was 10 years old, there never was really a diagnosis for him. And um, 
the information that we had gotten from psychiatrists and psychologists was really wrapped around parenting more than my son's issues. So I had kind of assumed that it was more of a parenting issue than it was a mental health issue with him until I sat in this room with, there must have been 10 or 15 other parents who all had children with various mental health concerns. And we went around the room and described what our experience was. By the time it got to me, I wanted to say, how are, how are you all a fly on the wall in my house? Like, I've never met anyone with experiences that were even remotely similar to my experiences. No one else in my family had anyone with mental health concerns. None of my friends or peer group had children with mental health concerns. And honestly, with the child with Angelman syndrome, we were so focused on trying to manage things with Katie that we didn't really understand, or at least I certainly didn't really understand the issues and the complexity of the issues that were going on with Cody. They were very random. He wasn't, it wasn't a thing where he was like suicidal straight through day to day. It would come and go. One day he'd be suicidal and the next day he'd be out taking senior pictures running around and playing with his friends and, and none of the things for him that matched what typically happened with suicidal teens was true for him. He was, he did fine in school. He had a great peer group. He had a lot of friends. He was active in sports. You know, he was very engaged. So it was one of those situations that really this whole experience has been one of me uncovering what could have been going on with him underneath. Well, so Janet, but with all of that background, all that, all of that uh, life experience, how did you first get, like, how did you first bump into or get connected with TCOM? Well, it was through the group that, that Jen Griffith set up through the, the parent network here in Idaho that we, all of those parents or many of those parents who met that first day and went around and described our situation we then met with the state and the state was describing this yes service, these yes services that they were going to be implementing. And several of us got involved at that point and started providing parent voice to the implementation, the design and implementation of the youth empowerment services here in Idaho. And through that, we were introduced to Dr. Lyons and Dr. Fernando and the TCOM team. And um, that's, that's kind of where that all started. So are you saying that uh, that experience changed the way, it certainly, it sounds like it really changed the way you thought about your own, your own history um, in your family. And then did it change what you did, like what you felt like you were called to do or what your, what, what you did as work from then on out or, or did it did it influence it or change it i i ended up doing both i still have my medical billing practice i still do that full time and um i started getting involved more and more with the youth empowerment services and then meeting dr lyons and dr fernando and going to my first tcom conference that was where things really started to change for me where i really started to feel like I've, it just felt like home to me. Hmm. I, don't, I don't know if there's a great way of describing that, but I felt there's, there was no judgment. There was, 
There was lots of support, but there was also a real desire to hear family experience and hear what it's like to live through this day to day. Because most people, thankfully, don't know what it's like to live with someone with a mental health disorder. They don't know what it's like to walk on eggshells day to day wondering if your child's going to have a meltdown or if they're going to be there when you get home or if they're going to be alive at the end of the day or, you know, or any of the other myriad things that we all deal with day to day. And, and they don't understand necessarily what it's like to manage um, manage someone who has mental health concerns because there's so many things as parents that we do that an, a typical family doesn't have to do. You know, I have, I have friends who have to make sure that they're, they have their bag of tricks, right? They have to make sure yeah. medications are out and in the right, the right way at the right time. And, you know, you can't, you can't just decide on the spur of the moment to pick up and go somewhere. It's very much like having a child with a developmental disability in many regards, yeah. because you've got to have your bag of tricks there in case yeah. something happens, right? So. Yeah, yeah. Well, so what, what was the work that you were doing? Uh, was there a specific um, project or achievement that you were cited for when you were given the TCOM Champions Award? Just the work that we're doing within the state of Idaho. Okay. So Jen Griffiths and I both won the award at the same time that year um, together. And it really was for the work that we were doing within the state of Idaho to provide that voice to the system. I had done uh, some training. So I'd gone around the state with, with one of the state employees. I had gone around the state and done training of providers on the CAMs and how it impacts families and best practices mm. with that and um, been working within the state with the services and supports work groups and the interagency governance team and the um, implementation work group okay. to be able to provide parent voice as they're developing the system of care and developing the services and supports so that they would have an idea. I liken it to somebody who uh, would be asked to design a kitchen for Gordon Ramsay, right? <laughs> and they've never cooked before. Or maybe they cooked, but they've never been a chef before, right? <laughs> like they have children, but they don't have children with mental health concerns or, you know, right? So they're trying, they're going in to design this kitchen and they get all the high-end materials and they get, you know, they it's this great, beautiful space and whatever. And it's completely non-functional because when you open the refrigerator, it hits the oven door, <laughs> and, you know, and then you're, you're, Food is way over here and, and, you know, so nothing flows really well either. So, yeah, you have access to everything, but it takes you 18 times longer to actually do what you need to do on a normal basis because the design is bad, right? right. You could liken it to designing a highway system too. It, you know, you don't want to have to get from, you know, Lexington to Louisville going through Arizona. Just doesn't make a lot of sense. But that's, so to me, that's what having parent voice in, directly involved in the system of care and in the development and implementation of that does because the state has great desire to help families. They, you know, they're not in there thinking we want to make this hard or we want to make it, they want to make it work. Yeah. But if you don't understand what it's like to be a family in that situation, 
then you don't understand the simple things about how to get from point A to point B. Yeah. Or it, or how to even describe it to a family to be able to do that well. So that's the point of having parent voice right there in the design and implementation because we can tell you, I, I like what you're doing. I like the thought behind what you're doing, but the way you're going about implementing it, this is going to be impact to families. It's going to make it harder for us. Yeah. Or you're not, you're going to exclude this whole population, right? So it's yeah. because of the nature of it, we just understand the implementation better than they do. They understand yeah. the codes and the, you know, all the things that the requirements they have to have. But it's the combination of us working with them that actually produces a system of care that actually cares for families. Um, so what's, so, so now you said you're still doing your, your billing, uh, you still do your medical billing business. Uh, tell me what your, your day to day looks like and what kinds of, um, projects or ongoing work that you continue to do in the TCOM space? Well, uh, with regards to the state itself, I'm just wrapping up my term as the co-chair of the interagency governance team. So that's work with the state, but we I bring the TCOM tools to all of that work because TCOM really emphasizes collaboration. And the interagency governance team is one place where we have all of the decision makers at the table. We have all the stakeholders at the table. So to be able to use that space to really bring individual voice out and individual experience out and be able to say, this is, this is what the system is working towards. And we want to hear how it's going to implement, how it's going to impact other families and mm -hmm. other providers so that we have uh, an ability to make decisions going forward that really are in the best interest of families and providers within the state. And then within the TCOM community, I've actually started working with the work group, the um, workforce development team there that I believe is called TIDES now, just being able to provide some parent perspective as they train new people on using the CANs and people who've been doing it for a while, give them a little bit different perspective on what they do and how it impacts us as families. So what do you see in the future? Do you have any um, projects that you're hoping come to fruition or anything that you're specifically working on launching or anything, anything new or any direction that goes beyond where you've, where you've been already that's, that's, that's coming up for you? It's a big question. Um, <laughs> right now, I'm actually taking a bit of a step back from, from the work that I'm doing with the state because we've had some other family family crises that have come up due to substance abuse and some mental health issues that are surrounding that with another one of our children. So to be able to be in a place where I can help them the most, I needed to take a bit of a step back from the state, the state work. Okay. So hoping at one point to be able to get back into that. I think when it comes to TCOM, the long-term goals, I would, I would love to see parent perspective involved in, in all of their trainings to have parents be able to, to speak directly to providers about the impact of the work they do on us directly. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think many providers necessarily understand, particularly providers of, of children that, that help with children mm -hmm. really understand 
the impact of the words that they use with families. So many of us, I was, I was thinking about this this morning about why, why I got involved in this and the, what's the result of it. And the why is really to find meaning in, yeah. in what we've experienced. There, of all the families that I know that have children that have significant mental health issues, our families don't look like other families. They don't operate like other families. And, and there is a lot of stigma around it, particularly with children. There's, there's a large segment of the population who thankfully doesn't have children with mental health issues that feels like, well, I can't say how they feel, but <laughs> the way we feel about their comments is it's like we raised our children to behave this way. Yeah. We, we raised our children to have fits in the grocery store and throw cans of goods at other people or to, to pig nose somebody as they're going by in the grocery store or, yeah. you know, that, that these are things that are causing, and even in my own experience, that I've had professionals tell me, you know, well, this is a result of your parenting. So if you learn to parent better, basically your child won't be suicidal anymore. And, and I think it's really important for us to be able to let them know, let providers know what is helpful to us, right? Like I had a dentist, of all people, a dentist, a child's dentist tell me that I was a great parent. And he had spent 10 minutes with me and my disabled child. And I mean, I still remember, it's been probably 15, 20 years and I still remember it. And I remember wondering how he knew and thinking, well, gosh, he sees hundreds of parents of disabled children every day. So there's something different in the way I'm responding with my child from how he sees the other parents for him to say that. Either that or he says it to everybody, one of the two. But, <laughs> but even so, you know, I felt like that was that one landed. of the first times it, that, had validated that experience yeah, that yeah. this was hard and I'm doing a good job with it, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's really important for, for people who are coming into our homes or being led into the really deep, dark parts of our life that we wish weren't the way they were. Yeah. Um, to be able to say, I hear you. I understand what you're going through would be hard for anyone. Right. And it's not your fault. And we're here to help you learn how to do this better. It's okay to be asking for help. It's okay to not understand all of the different reasons behind it. What parts of what your child is going through is normal developmental stuff. What part mm -hmm. of what your child is going through is part of a mental health issue and how that mental health issue affects that child. Yeah. I mean, if you tell somebody your child has down syndrome, the range of Down syndrome is from a very mild impairment to kids who have complex heart issues and communication issues. And somehow that's understood. But when you tell somebody that your child has bipolar, like, what does that mean? I mean, even telling you today, my child has Angelman syndrome, the chances are you know absolutely nothing about what that looks like for her. Right. And it was the same when someone told me, well, maybe your child has bipolar. Yeah. Well, 
What does that look like for my child? What about the things in my experience when I tell you these 20 things that have happened in the last two weeks? What if those things are because of the bipolar? And what if those things are because she's a teenage boy? And what if those things are because I'm a really crappy parent? Right? Mm. <laughs> like, I don't know. But these professionals have a broad knowledge of what these different mental health diagnoses look like in different children. What parts of the experience are because of the mental health issue and maybe take a different parenting style to address as opposed to a teenager who's just back talking his parents. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, I scribbled on my note earlier to ask you if you wouldn't mind uh, educating me about Angelman syndrome, because I don't know what that is. Yeah. It's a genetic disorder. So they're missing part of the female half of the 15th chromosome. But what it looks like for most kids with Angelman syndrome is a complete lack of expressive communication. So they don't, they can't really sign. He has a few sign approximations, a few word approximations, like she'll say for more or for by. She has maybe five of those. That's the sum total of her expressive language. Um, they have a severe seizure disorder, the most of them, um, a severe sleep disorder. Katie slept you know, two to four hours a night until she hit puberty. Um, which leads to a lot of behavioral issues that are both from seizures that are nonstop in her case to, um, and some you, most of them you can't see. So most of her seizures, they call subclinical. So they're going on. She has electrical stuff going on in her head that isn't normal at all the time. All the time. But um, yeah, so it's, it's really involved global developmental delays. So, you know, she walked very early for a child with Angelman syndrome, but that was at 25 months, most kids with Angelman syndrome walk at about seven or eight, or at least they did back when Katie was diagnosed. So, wow. um, and they're very unstable. So there's really nothing that they can do for themselves. Katie will require 24 seven care of her whole life. Oh, okay. Okay. So, uh, is she in your home or nearby? She, we actually have another family that has a child that originally they thought maybe was Angelman syndrome, but turns out to be even a more rare genetic disorder. Um, and they live together. We bought a house, we rent it back to them, and then oh. um, and they have full time round the clock here. Okay. So each of them have a one on one aid. Well, it sounds to me like I mean you've mentioned a lot of things that I I know that you're proud of that you've um, pushed forward and the way people are able to hear each other's stories and communicate. And I, I can also tell that although you're, uh, you get incredibly, you probably get worn very thin and you get tired from all your work that there's, there's more that you, uh, want to do as you, uh, as, as, as there's room for it on your plate, it sounds, it sounds like what I'm hearing you say. It's a very hopeful thing. I mean, it's, this work has put, my whole experience in a completely different perspective that I never would have gotten without doing it. So for me personally, I've grown a tremendous amount, Yeah. but I, more than that, just allowing other parents who are going through this to have a little bit more of a roadmap. It's, it's not going to be perfect, yeah. but if they know they're not alone, if, their experience with providers is a little better. Yeah. 
their access to the system and the way that they navigate the system and the services and supports they receive in the system is a little bit better, mm-hmm. then that's a, that's a great thing. You know, we're just keep yeah. pushing the ball down the road a little bit further and it's good. It's worthy. Wow. Um, it's fascinating that something, something comes up by necessity that, that suddenly spins you around on the turntable and points you in a different direction. And, uh, it's interesting to hear, you know, where that's taking you. And thanks for, thanks for being so, um, honest and so, so personal about, about that, uh, journey that you've been on. I appreciate you sharing all that with me. I know that's, that's your life. That's become your life to tell that story, but I appreciate you you sharing it with me just now. So thanks a lot. I appreciate it. You're welcome. It was a big surprise to get the award that year. I was, huh. I was pretty much stunned when it happened. I was not expecting it. It was really only my second, is that my second time going to TCOM? I think it might've been just my second, my second TCOM trip. And, um, Dr. Lyons had asked me to do the plenary at that TCOM too. So I was already pretty darn nervous. Okay. <laughs> so, um, but it was nice. It was nice to be able to be recognized and, and just to be a part of it. I mean, this is, I've, I've said frequently TCOM is like a second home to me. It, just the people that are there and the work that's done there is, is really exceptional. And it, it is making a difference. That's how we all feel. Uh, well, thanks a lot, Janet. And maybe we'll see you in uh, in Lexington at the at the conference in the fall. Is that a possibility? Is that on your calendar at all? It is. I'm actually, last year I did a um, roundtable with Dr. DeLacy Davis. Oh, yeah. I saw that. I was there. Yeah. Yeah. So they are having us come back and do a full day roundtable this year. So we'll do okay. morning and afternoon on Wednesday. So. Wow. Okay. Well, there's definitely enough content there to, to stretch out the oh, yeah. whole day. So, yeah. yeah. Well, it's something that I'm having to to learn as we go. And Dr. Davis is really amazing at just bringing me along and Good. and helping me. Because I am I am probably your stereotypical white person. I mean, I have a degree in history. and But I have a degree in the history that was written by the winners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what how most of us were brought up, right? Yeah. yeah. We, have to, we have to look around a few corners to fill out that that perspective of things right and i am constantly astounded at the lack of education that i have in that regard but um but it's good it's another thing that grows me it's another another way that i can bring a contribution because i just feel like well just by being open about my own journey there really um maybe helps other people acknowledge that this isn't about me right it's about it's about all of us becoming aware of what our history is and the impact that it has on what's becoming rapidly the vast majority of Americans. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, so. we feel that all around, see it all around us. But yeah. thanks for your conversation. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Tales from the Collaborative is made possible in part by the Prade Foundation, a nonprofit organization committed to improving the well-being of all through the use of personalized, timely interventions and provider of online training in the TCOM tools. TCOM is Transformational Collaborative Outcomes Management, a comprehensive framework 
for improving the effectiveness of helping systems through person-centered care. Online at PrayedFoundation.org and at TCOMConversations.org and by the Center for Innovation and Population Health at the University of Kentucky. Online at IPH.UKY.edu.